So as Hollywood runs out of ideas, what toy do you think hasn't lived up to its dramatic potential yet? Oh, uh, those stuffed animals where inside of them were a bunch of baby stuffed animals and, like, you just opened the Velcro on their stomach and then, like, got the babies out. True. And then they, they had babies. So I think there's great potential for a film about children just performing emergency C-sections everywhere. I, you know, I think that Furby has a built-in coming-of-age story. <laughs> That's true. Like, we're raising him, we're teaching him how to talk. Like, this could be the next E.T. I am Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the bad movie podcast. Where this week we watch Transformers. So Michael Bay, Shia LaBeouf, Megan Fox. That's a winning triad. Right. I mean, sold from the beginning. <laughs> exactly. You could not have kept me away from the theater. No. And then throw in like John Voight. I, is he a draw for children now? I think so. Teen, He's like for pretty teens. hip with the kids. A lot of Mission Impossible fans. Yeah. His face always looks like a mask to me. <laughs> I, and I think it's because of Mission Impossible. Right. You're expecting Tom Cruise to be underneath it. I'm not. I just think he's wearing a mask. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's still John Voight underneath. He's just oh, also wearing okay. a mask. He's wearing the John Voight mask. Yeah. This was Megan Fox's breakout role. The plot, obviously, is Autobots, which are the good robots, versus Decepticons, the bad robots. It's based on a toy, Hasbro Mm -hmm. toy collection, which I guess there's been a cartoon series of. This is a disclaimer. We did not play with or watch Transformers as children. So our knowledge begins and ends with these movies. (laughs) Yeah. And the commercials of seeing the little robots turn into cars. Right. So there were cartoons in the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. They actually they wanted to make sure that they got away from the cartoons a little bit. One producer actually wanted to go so far as to just have humans fighting robots, not robots fighting each other. Actually, the original guy who voiced Optimus Prime also voiced him in the movies. Which I think I could listen to Optimus Prime tell me anything. We are autonomous robotic organisms from the planet Cybertron. I, I want to hear books. I want to hear audiobooks read, read by, by Optimus, Optimus Prime. Prime. I've read by Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. Right, it has to have the filter, the Optimus Prime filter. Exactly. Okay, so Optimus Prime starts with a voiceover introducing us to the Cube, also known as the AllSpark later on. It has the power to create or destroy worlds. It created their race. They don't know where it came from, but there was a war over it. And their race was almost destroyed. The cube was lost to the far reaches of space. They've been trying to find it to rebuild their world ever since. And now they've been drawn to Earth. Cut to Qatar in a helicopter with Josh Dumel, Tyrese, the guy from Prison Break. Sucre. Yeah, Amari Nolasco. No one knows. Well, that's his name. And (laughs) Zach Ward. Sorry, Zach Ward, but nobody knows you unless they watch as many terrible movies as I do. So they're at the base. They they land at the base, and Josh Duhamel is Skyping with his wife and his baby he's never met. They're trying to build some kind of character and stakes for this guy. It doesn't work. I never care about him. He's such a bland character. A helicopter approaches, warned off by Glenn Morshower the hallmark of any true Hollywood military outfit. And they won't identify themselves. Uh, Turns out it's a Decepticon. The pilot flickers. We can see this is not human. It lands at the base, transforms, and just starts wrecking the army stuff everywhere. Uh, It's going after the files. We leave the scene before there's any resolution, which is a weird, weird time to leave the scene, I think. Yeah. I like, they, we leave mid-battle, honestly. No resolution. Oh, I guess they're, like, gonna cut the hard line, and that's the last we see of it. Cut away to Sam's high school, Shia LaBeouf. And he's giving a presentation about family genealogy. 
where his great-great-grandfather was an Arctic explorer. So this presentation is pretty much completely him just trying to sell his great-great-grandfather's stuff. I think, though, your high school classmates are the right audience. <laughs> they definitely want antique exploring equipment. <laughs> They're going to pay top dollar for it. They also care a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Someone throws a something at him so we know he's not cool. And Shia LaBeouf uses the word semen, which <laughs> tells us that he's may have never actually been to high school before. Yeah. This might be his first time interacting with his peers. The teacher criticizes him for the tasteless sale of family heirlooms, but Sam explains it's all for a worthy cause. It is for his car fund. He says, like, oh, I know, but this is all going toward, and you think, like, medical emergency, something really important, and he's like, car fund. And you're like, okay, you won't need family heirlooms when you have a car. (laughs) What a dummy. Uh, Megan Fox... Or Michaela. Michaela Baines, everybody. Her character was named after Michael Bay, which is gross to me. Really gross. She's there in the classroom with her boyfriend wearing two popped collars. So we know he's a good guy. So we see that she's a hot girl in his class. So he um, gets in the car with his father, says that he's got the $2,000 that he needs Mm-hmm. His dad was going to match him the other 2000 for the car. We never see him make a sale. It is implied, in fact, that he never sells any of these things. Right, so he already has $2,000. He already $2, had it, and he's like, oh, it's okay for me to sell family heirlooms. I'm sure his parents don't know he's doing this. And it's okay for me to sell these because it's for my car fund. I already have all the money I need. Yeah. Later on, he says that he needs also the money to take out the girl once he has the car. Oh, please. Um, so maybe it was actually to take out the girl, but a little a little loose on that. Mm, maybe so. Anyway, they drive up to a used car lot operated by Bernie Mac. And that made me sad. I loved him. This was shot two years before he died. Uh, They leave with a yellow Camaro that may or may not have sonically blasted all the glass on the car lot in an effort to help Sam haggle down the price. (laughs) I don't understand how it worked, too. Bernie Mac was like, oh, no, you can have it for $4,000. If that had happened on my car Now that all of my cars are damaged, you can have this one on the cheap. Yeah, I was like, I would be shutting down the lot and being like, okay, you need to leave. I need to figure out what just happened right now. And also call my insurance company. Meanwhile, in D.C., Secretary of Defense John Voigt presents info to the NSA. No known survivors from the attack, but they know their system was hacked into. They were stopped, so they want to prep for another attack. So they've Uh, called together all the hackers, plus the sexiest hacker. Of all. Yes, Maggie, who you may recognize if you watch uh, Jessica Jones. She was her friend Trish Walker. Uh, The big question, who did it? So they're trying to figure out which country did this. Our military heroes back in Qatar are revealed to be alive in the desert with a tank and an Iraqi child. That's (laughs) that's all we've got. Yes. Tyrese took a photo of the robot and they want to get it back to D.C. They've got no communications. Uh, The Iraqi child says his village is close by and has a phone. They're headed there. Sam goes to a party he was not invited to, and his friend is a total doofus who thinks that climbing trees and hanging upside down off of them will impress 17-year-olds. Sam and Megan Fox's boyfriend trade barbs, and Sam leaves. Fox's boyfriend won't let her drive his truck, so she dumps him, which seems like a weird hard line to take. That's definitely not the first time he's been a huge jerk. Well, and that's, and now she has to walk home. So she she did this before she got home. Yeah, and then, like, Shia LaBeouf tells his friend that it's 10 miles home. She's going to walk 10 miles. Right. Sam kicks his friend out of his car to go give Michaela a ride, because this is his big chance. Uh, This is also the only girl at the school, by the way. Only girl. Yeah. Actually, it might be. I don't know. That, I don't know that we see any other girls. And like he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to shoot any lower than the hottest girl in school. No. Why would you when you're a huge nerd? Yeah. Who kind of got dunked on by her boyfriend? Yeah. Like in front of her. Right in front of her. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we see the beginnings of the fact that 
Bumblebee. That's the name of the Autobot that is secretly his Camaro. I'm just going to say this because I can't keep alluding to it. We don't, none of this is revealed until literally an hour into this movie, which is not even halfway through. True. He does, there is the little Autobot logo on the wheel of the steering wheel, like the middle of the steering wheel, but you have to like, you have to know Transformers stuff to pick that up. So this is where we see that Bumblebee communicates through the radio. We see that Michaela does not remember Sam, despite having been in school for 10 years with him. So that's a good start to their relationship. The car breaks down, and that's where we learn that Megan Fox knows a lot about cars. Um, Also, that Bumblebee is weirdly invested in their relationship. Like, from the beginning, he's on board with getting them together. He breaks down while playing romantic music. Yeah. Like... It's a little bit strange for an alien robot to be this invested in a high school boy's love life. Considering even if he's super invested in Sam, he does not know this girl at all. Right. She might be awful. Yeah. And he's had, Sam's had this car for a day. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he drops her off and she asks if he thinks that she's shallow. Because she was talking about how much she loves hot guys. (laughs) Right, which is the conversation I always have with strange men. Right. Well, and how this is, like, her fault, because she just loves tight abs and stuff. And he says that he does not think that she's shallow. There's a lot more than meets the eye with you. Mostly the part that's under her clothes. (laughs) There's more to you than meets the eye, unfortunately. (laughs) So on Air Force One, we see a small Decepticon named Frenzy has smuggled aboard with its ability to transform into literally anything made of metal. Well, anything that's relatively small. So this still varies a lot in size, but it's basically things that are smaller than cars. Like, I don't think he could transform into an actual car. Like, maybe like a moped. Well, (laughs) probably not even that. But yeah, so he's like a briefcase at first, and then he's a boombox. But it's weird because we never see any of the other... Like, how are Decepticons able to transform into so many other things? But a lot of them can't. Oh, that's like, true. We the police car always turns into a police car. Yeah. Um. So frenzy, the choppers are always choppers, right? But frenzy is able to turn into whatever handy small mechanical object he needs to. Yeah, that's that is handy. So uh, hacks into the network on Air Force One, which is way more extensive than I thought it would be. Downloads the files for Project Iceman. The IT nerds we saw at the presentation, they're analyzing it in real time, and they're saying a virus is being planted. They cut the server lines. Decepticon deplanes and walks across the tarmac. Just, like, nobody sees it. Yeah. It's, this thing's, like, three feet tall. It's a little robot man just, like, walking across the tarmac. Like, it would have been less obvious had he turned into a briefcase that also walked <laughs> across the tarmac. Probably. Uh, gets in a police car... We see the driver is also not real. He's a he's a it's a Decepticon police car. Luckily, they flicker a lot, so we can tell <laughs> exactly that something's up. Yeah, uh, dis, uh, Frenzy searches the internet for Witwicky, which is Sam's last name, Shia LaBeouf, and obviously of his great great grandfather, Captain Witwicky. Finds Sam's eBay account where he's listed his grandfather's stuff. The picture Shia LaBeouf uses on his eBay account. So his username is like ladies man some number. Yeah. And he's trying to be cool and all that. And then his picture looks like he was on drugs and had his mugshot taken yes. at a police this station. Is absolutely. He was high. <laughs> it got picked up and also hadn't showered maybe for three days. What's his hair doing? I don't right. know. And, and then he took his picture. And yeah. And he never replaced it. Like, he never looked at that and thought, "Mm, maybe not. Like, you would understand it if it was, like, him with sunglasses and, like, pop collar trying to look, like, smooth. But, like, I don't, I don't know. Also, this is eBay. Like, you're trying to get people to send you money. (laughs) Yeah. You do not look trustworthy or, like, somebody who would have valuable exploring tools. Yeah. Uh, Sam wakes up to his car driving away. He calls the cops, pursues on bike... They end up in a scrapyard. He's biking at the same speed as his car, by the way. Like, he keeps up the whole time. Bumblebee is, like, really just cruising on his way to this junkyard. Also, Sam does not skip leg day. Because <laughs> he, he must be able to bike pretty fast. Well, yeah, it's not mentioned a lot, but he's pretty buff. Yeah. Like, in the legs. Right. Yeah. 
That's why he was so sad to hear that Megan Fox likes abs. He's a leg man. <laughs> so Bumblebee is in Autobot form, and he's putting out the bat signal, or whatever the bat signal is for Autobots. Uh, Sam freaks out, and he's immediately chased by junkyard dogs, which are real things. Seriously, don't go into a scrapyard at night. Sam is chased, and Bumblebee drives up and scares the dogs off. Sam gets arrested. Unclear why Sam gets arrested. He was arrested because he called the cops. Uh-huh. And they came to see who'd stolen the car, and he was the only one there. So they thought he stole the car, I guess. Although it's registered in his name. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, because they're they're accusing him of filing a false report, I think. And, like, I, that's the only thing that I can think of. The whole thing is a little unclear, because they could have, they would have actually been able to arrest him for trespassing on private property. They would have, but it's really unlikely that they, that they, that they would have done that. Well, also, that they would have fine. threatened him so intensely at the police station. Yeah, so then they're in the police station. His parents are in the room with him, and still this cop is, like, really up in his business. <laughs> right. He's being weirdly, like... <laughs> Aggressive over this thing that cannot be more than a misdemeanor. The military heroes get to a village. They're attacked by Scorponok. <laughs> this may shock you, but Scorponok is a Decepticon that transforms into a giant scorpion. So, what did the Transformer base itself off of? All of these other Transformers are like you see them scanning actual vehicles or objects. And transforming themselves into that thing. The scorpion just, like, took it and ran. Like, there's nothing it based itself off of other than... Well, well Rose... Um, evil, perhaps. Well, so you may not know this because we don't live in West Texas <laughs> or the desert. But there are these animals. They're called scorpions, actually. So, like, imagine if you shrunk Scorpo knocked down and it was a <laughs> lot smaller. It was, like, this big. But it was an animal. And they look like that. They have a little tail and they sting you. So what you're saying is that Scorponaut landed in the desert. The only thing around was a scorpion. So he was like, I'm just going to be a huge metal scorpion. That was his game plan on that? They're very formidable. And I'm worried about you because we discuss this a lot with the scorpion king. <laughs> so they get DC on the phone. A lot of bombs don't kill, the, kill it. Mm -hmm. uh, it tunnels into the sand. Soldiers are rescued and brought home. Yeah. Can I just say that when they approach this village, Tyrese grabs a pot of water that's just sitting there, like way outside the village too. Like it's, it, it, it's got to be like 50 yards outside the village. And it's a pot of water just sitting there. And he grabs it and pours it on his head. I guess to cool himself off. But here's the thing. It's midday at least in the desert. I don't think that pot of water is refreshing. Well, also, it's also not aren't they thirsty? Okay. They've been stranded out in the desert looking for this village. You would think, but if they're not thirsty, that water's not yours, Tyrese. <laughs> water is probably hard to get out here. <laughs> Very selfish. So Maggie, the IT hottie, illegally copies the data from the virus and brings it to Anthony Anderson. So Anthony Anderson stops his DDR sesh. <laughs> To look at the virus data. He's apparently really good. He's the best hacker on Earth, according to this girl. We never see him do stuff that other people probably can't do. I mean, we're just kind of like told he does a lot of stuff. Yeah. So he finds the message in the signal, references Project Iceman, Sector 7, and Captain Whitwicky. The feds break down the door and arrest everyone because they have found the data breach. Meanwhile... Sam's car comes back to the house on its own. Sam freaks out, calls his friend, says his car from hell is stalking him. His friend is washing his dog. <laughs> I don't understand why there are so many dogs in this movie. Because we've seen Sam's chihuahua a lot so far. Yeah. Why would you put animals in a movie when you don't have to? Just to prove that you can? Well, I mean, the dog, his dog at least gets used for, like, jokes and stuff. Like, I don't know why his friend is washing a dog. It's just weird because, can you explain? Animals and kids. Working, yeah, I mean, like, working with animals and kids is 
is something most people try and avoid. And also, you know, as soon as you have an animal on set, you have to have, like, the animal trainer. You have to pay for the trained animal. You have to... Like, it's expensive, and it's difficult, and it's just busy work for an actor to do. Because here's the other question. Why is his friend answering his phone while washing his dog? I know, right? Washing my St. Bernard is so easy that I'm also going to answer the phone. Well, because, yeah, because whatever Sam has to say is surely so important I can't wait. Uh, anyway, so Sam freaks out and he is fleeing the scene, being chased by Bumblebee, uh, driving like on the sidewalk, which I feel is weird. <laughs> like you could just as easily chase him on the street. Yeah. But uh, on his mom's bike, so long gender norms. What? <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, he wipes out in front of Michaela. He was at Burger King with her friends like you do. She leaves her friends to go follow him. Uh, He keeps chasing, uh, keeps being chased by the car, and then is cut across by a Decepticon police car. Yes. You can tell the difference because it says to punish and enslave on the side. Right. No one will notice that. Yeah. Worth it. They'll get noticed, but they'll, they'll think it was worth it. Right. I have to say, like, that's some, that's some, a lot of personality for a Decepticon. Like, you're, you're in car form because you're just trying to, like, blend in. So that's not, like, a, a little typo. Like, somebody had to think. Like, the Decepticon had to think this through on that catchphrase and be like, I'm just going to do it even though it makes me stick out. Right. The car transforms and interrogates him about his grandfather's glasses, as seen on eBay. In what just reinforces to me how much I love hearing Transformers say anything. Are you username ladiesman217? I don't know what you're talking Are about. Are you username ladiesman217? <laughs> I know, especially like talking about eBay and yeah. stuff. Sam runs away and he knocks Michaela off her motorcycle in case we didn't know that she's really cool. She gets in to Bumblebee. They both get in. It just It just drove up. It's very dramatic. Heroic music. It's almost like this is a turning point of the film, which it's not really. Instantly changes to heavy rock for the Mm -hmm. chase scene. Sam and Michaela get out and his car transforms. So Bumblebee is in in Autobot form. Fights the Decepticon while Frenzy chases Sam and Michaela. Hilariously, he pulls down Sam's pants and we see his (laughs) boxers. Oh, so funny. Michaela saves him with a power drill. And so, he's and he's actually beheaded. Like his head pops off. We see it. It does. Uh, but it takes more than that to kill a transformer. Apparently, uh, they're basically impossible to kill, except well, with ice. Doesn't his head crawl away, leaving his body behind? I think it's the other way around. But oh, I see. Who's to say? They're all just bits of metal, really. In the end, <laughs> yeah. How dare you? That's racist. Probably. The frenzy. We've discussed before that he can turn into anything he wants, including a cell phone. Which is so much smaller than a boombox or a briefcase. Or himself. Okay, now when does he turn into a cell phone, though? Because is it after he gets, like, his head pops off? Is it just his head? (laughs) Yeah, but later, when we see him again later, he has his head again. Yeah, later he has a full body and he's, like, crawling around again. So there's some questions as to how this happens. Yeah, okay. So it's after the fight and Bumblebee reveals that he's an alien through his radio talk. And Sam gives a really compelling argument to Michaela to get in this alien robot car. 50 years from now, when you're looking back at your life, don't you want to be able to say you had the guts to get in the car? As they're riding, Michaela insults the car (laughs) that they're riding in. Like she's, and this is weird because she's like, I can't sit in the driver's seat. He's driving. Yeah. So she's being really respectful, and then she whispers... Well, no, wait, hold on. She she does that, and then Sam, being the smooth ladies' man that he is, is like, oh, you can't ride in that. You should ride in my lap, because I'm I have the only seat with a seatbelt. They don't fasten the seatbelt around the two of them. They don't. She just sits there. Yeah. And then she's like, that was a really good argument. Like, that was really smooth. And I'm like... Is it? <laughs> is it since everybody saw through it and you yeah. just did it anyway? And you're still not wearing a seatbelt? Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Um, so she's like, uh, if it can transform into anything, why did it pick this crappy Camaro? It dumps them out in a tunnel. Really unsafe. Yeah. There's traffic. Mm-hmm. And drives off and then comes back 
as a banging new Camaro. Right. It's super cool now. Thankfully, one happens to be driving by at the time, so he can scan it. So now that the bat signal has gone out, the other Autobots are coming to Earth really fast. I guess they were close by. And they all come into the atmosphere and crash land on Earth like giant meteors. But everybody's, like, filming it, and... Uh, it's a big news story. Right, and they, they had one land in the swimming pool. Yeah. And the little girl, like, gets her tooth out of uh, from under a pillow and holding a My Little Pony Hasbro toy. And she goes out to the swimming pool, and this giant robot climbs out, and she's like, are you the tooth fairy? <laughs> How stupid is this little girl? Because she's not that yet. She's, no. like, seven or yeah. something. So... If you're waiting for the tooth fairy, by this little girl's logic, anything that shows up to your house is the tooth fairy. (laughs) Including a giant mechanobot. Yeah, I don't know how that thing was supposed to, like, put money under your pillow without you waking up. (laughs) Like, destroyed your house. Yeah. Here's a quarter. Yeah. So, they roll up in car form to Sam and Michaela and Bumblebee. So, the reason they're called Autobots in the cartoon mm-hmm. is because they turn into autos. Oh my gosh. I thought maybe they were like automatic robots or something. I don't know no, how this stuff works. In the movie they say we're autonomous robotic organisms. Oh. But they're just car bots. <laughs> like that's what it is. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Most organisms are autonomous. Mm-hmm. I don't under anyway. Um they introduce everyone. Jazz is the black one. This looks like a cool place to kick it. Yeah. Also, right-hand man who doesn't do anything. Ironhide is the weapons guy. You feeling lucky, punk? Ratchet is the medical officer. The boy's pheromone level suggests he wants to mate with the female. How does he know this? He just got to Earth. <laughs> he literally just got to Earth. I should say, though, that for being basically huge robots... The Transformers, as a race, have a really good sense of smell. They do, which is weird to me. Because Megatron, later on, also... Says that he can smell him while he's chasing him through the building. We finally learn Bumblebee's name and that his voice was damaged in battle. That's why he has to talk through the radio. Yeah. Uh, They explain the AllSpark and Megatron. So basically everything we heard in the beginning gets retold here, except also Megatron being super evil. And I should say that they're like super surprised when the Decepticons betray them. (laughs) I know. They should have known from the fact that they're called Decepticons. Well, that's what's weird to me. So why are they, are they two different races? I don't understand. Are they, like, fundamentally different? Because they're called two different things. They act different. Like, the Autobots are super colorful, and the the Decepticons are all silver. And the Decepticons have red eyes, and Autobots have blue eyes. So it's almost like they're two different races. Right, except really the only thing we get is that they have two different, like, philosophical views. Yeah. So they uh, explain the AllSpark. They explain that Megatron is the head of the Decepticons, which are the evil robots. And Sam's great-great-grandfather stumbled upon Megatron frozen in the Arctic Circle when he was exploring. Uh, So anyway, they say they need the grandfather's glasses because the grandfather's glasses have imprinted on them the code that Megatron was using to find the AllSpark. So if they get the glasses, they can find the AllSpark. That's why they're looking for it. So Rose, can you explain what a MacGuffin is? So a MacGuffin plot is when everyone is looking for something, but the thing itself is actually not really useful in the plot. And (laughs) spoiler alert, these glasses are not... Like, the glasses and the AllSpark itself aren't really used for anything other than to get people to do stuff. Like, yeah, it's true. They never really come up on their own. Barely. As useful. Yeah. So, we cut to uh, Anthony Anderson and Maggie in detention together. Uh, For some reason, they're put together. If you really want to get info out of people, why would you never put them together like that? Unless they have predicted what is about to happen. (laughs) Exactly. So Anthony Anderson humorously cracks under pressure, gives Maggie up. Maggie says she needs to talk to Secretary John Voight, 
before they go to war with the wrong people. So this is another plot that is really underplayed. They're trying to make us feel urgency like, oh no, what if we go to war with the Russians or the Chinese or North Korea? And just like, it's so backseat to the Autobots and the Decepticons. Right. It it doesn't even register, I think. I never remembered anything about the hack, like these tech people or the soldier. No. Nothing. It's, it felt, it still kind of feels like filler to me. It does. And, Um, and for being a Transformers movie in that's, you know, almost two and a half hours, there's very little like Transformers screen time. Yeah, they're, well, and I'm sorry, like, we're just now at an hour in. Now is when the Transformers have shown up. Yeah. Really. Uh, The Autobots go with Sam back to his house because they're looking for the glasses. Uh, They wreck the yard, and it's hilarious because we've previously seen that his, his dad is in love with his yard. He's a suburban man in love with his lawn. The dog pees on Ironhide's foot, which is only relevant because then he tries to kill the dog. Right. Iron Ironhide's, like, got a pretty itchy trigger finger. Yeah. He's like, you have a rodent problem. And I'm like, you just got here. You don't know what rodents are here. Shut your mouth. He also has cannons for hands, basically. So, like, <laughs> I know. His, it's the, overkill. Right, the only thing he can do to kill this rodent problem is to shoot it with a cannon? Well, he doesn't even, like, you could step on it. <laughs> That's a good that's really easy. All he does, though, is but immediately he wants to try and shoot. load up a cannon. Yeah, he wants to shoot cannons at it, though. He right. seems he seems like not a really stable guy to be right. a weapons officer. And also, these are transformed, once again, alien robots. I feel like I have to keep saying this because the movie keeps forgetting this. <laughs> these are transformers that have adopted car personas in order to better blend in on this strange planet. They are parading around this lawn that's in a crowded suburban neighborhood. Like, any of the neighbors could look out their windows at any point and see these massive robots wandering around the yard. They all are wandering around, touching everything. They're like kids in a candy store. Like, well, that's how we get a little little pro-drug situation where... They're wandering away, and they run into the power lines, and then they're like, ooh, that was that was fun. And yeah. they're like, ooh, I want to try it. I want to try it. And right. then they cause the power to go out, and I'm like, yeah. cool, let's just throw a pro-drug message into this toy <laughs> commercial. Yeah. This is a two-and-a-half-hour toy commercial, so yes, let's promote drugs. And... These are the least stealthy aliens of all time. Like, if this had happened in real life, these things would have been on YouTube, like, all over YouTube in five minutes. Because they have no sense of stealth. Like, I know it's dark outside, and theoretically people are asleep. Although, actually, they're apparently all watching the news about the meteors. But they're just wandering around this neighborhood. And then when they finally transform into cars, when Sam is like, shut up, guys. Like, they finally transform into cars. They're just parked all over the lawn. I know. Ooh, you blend. And then, for no apparent reason, they later transform back into robots. They don't have a plan behind when they do that. (laughs) And here's the thing. These are millions of years old military guys. They're all in a constant battle. Yeah. So why are they so terrible at this? Anyway, Sam can't find the glasses, Sam's parents barge in, and Ironhide finds them annoying, so he asks if he can kill his parents. Yeah. Because that's all Ironhide wants to do, is cannonball people. Um, But after this really long, frantic search for these glasses, and the parents showing up, just to have, like, an embarrassing, humorous conversation with Sam. Yeah. Which takes forever. Takes so long. Then Then Sam's like, hey, I'm looking for my bag, and the mom's like, oh, it's downstairs. Two seconds. Less than two seconds. And it's not emphasized at all. So, like, the first time I watched this, I didn't even understand how they got downstairs. Oh, see, I didn't understand how they found the glasses because they never said, oh, here are the glasses. The mom says it in the throwaway line that his bag's in the kitchen. Okay. Like, while other people are kind of talking over them. (laughs) It's so dumb. It was... So then Michaela comes out of hiding because she's she hid when the parents came in and they're like, who were you talking to? We heard voices. There's lights in here. What's happening? And she comes out and she's like, hi. And his parents don't even ask what's going on or get mad (laughs) because they're just so psyched that their nerdy son has a hot girlfriend. Yeah. So they all go downstairs. The feds come in. Uh, John Turturro. He comes in. Section seven. Section seven. Oh, no. 
Uh, Sam and Michaela are arrested, along with his parents and his dog. Yeah, everyone's arrested. Yeah. They grill him about his police report the previous night, uh, and Michaela mouths off to John Turturro, Agent Simmons, so he says, shut your mouth, and tells Sam about her juvie record. Because her dad was a car thief. Her dad's a car thief. Oh, no, that's how she knows about cars. And it's in jail, so he's, like, also threatening the father in jail. Yeah, he's, like, a real stand-up guy. He's, like, his parole hearing's coming up. And uh, also you have a juvie record, and um, then, like, makes a really kind of, like, he's, like, she's a criminal. Criminals are hot. It's so it's weird. It's really weird. He's all over the place in this, <laughs> and, like, in a bad way. Like, I don't know how he got any sort of authority position. He's terrible at his job. He's yeah. constantly combative. He's, he's in turns combative and pervy. Yeah. Sam gets mad at Michaela. Yeah. That he didn't, wasn't, like, privy to the secrets of her life. Like, the most shameful secret she has, probably. He's so betrayed by this. Like, he's so betrayed when he finds out that she has a GV record. And, like, what was on the line for you here, Sam? Like, how does this affect you? It doesn't? Yeah. Oh, got it. They've only been on speaking terms for a day. <laughs> I know. And, like, I can't believe you didn't immediately tell me about your GV record. <laughs> and here's another thing. How does he actually not know? Like, I know that... You know, you don't necessarily know everything about your classmates, but, like, if your friends, you know, if someone that you've been in school with since you were in kindergarten has a father who was a car thief and has been in jail, you would at least know that, surely. Well, also, if she has a juvie record, that means that she's probably had missed missed school for court. It could be, like, over summer, maybe. And or juvenile detention. But, yeah, like, it seems a little weird that he hasn't even heard rumors of, like, her father's a car thief. That is weird. That's something that would define you as a child. So the Autobots rescue them, uh, Sam and Michaela. Sam starts interrogating Agent Simmons... And Bumblebee pees on him when he won't answer, because that's hilarious. Yeah, super funny. Yeah. The federal choppers come, and Optimus takes Sam and Michaela on a chase, while all of the other Autobots flee in car form. As they tumble around, the glasses fall on the ground, and this is the first that I was aware that the glasses (laughs) had been found. In two viewings, (laughs) I did not notice that they had ever found them. I was like, okay, there's the glasses. For being, like, the most important thing in this movie, they're really underplayed (laughs) a lot. Second most. Allspark is the most important. Wow. Um, Pre-Allspark, this is the most important. Exactly. So, Bumblebee gets captured because he comes back to try to protect Sam and Michaela, and this is apparently where we see that Sam and Bumblebee have this amazing bond. Yeah. Which is kind of I mean, a boy in his car. It's just like all of a sudden they're best friends. Right. Yeah, so some, Sam tries to free him, and some really emotionally manipulative music is playing the whole time. It's pretty heart-wrenching. Optimus lets Bumblebee get taken, because he says they can't rescue him without harming the humans. So, Sector 7 guy shows up in D.C. Uh, John Voight doesn't know who they are. He's never heard of these people. Sector 7 explains on his Apple laptop that Hoover created Sector 7 um, 80 years ago, and he shows him clips of the uh, Beagle 2 Mars rover getting smashed by a robot. Uh, so, long story short, they need to get prepared to attack. It's probably robots. It's not another country. IT nerds, military heroes, Sam and Michaela, everybody's now in the same place. They're all on the same side. Optimus Prime uses the glasses to find the location of the AllSpark. The other Autobots, again, want to rescue Bumblebee, and then they bag on humanity for being violent and crude. And I'm not saying that's not true, we concurrently see Bumblebee getting tortured in between <laughs> yeah. these scenes. For some reason, the first the first instinct is like, let's just shoot him with electricity. They're not even studying him. He's <laughs> no, just strapped not. down and they're just like electrifying him constantly. Right. And I would like to say that like, they didn't ask him questions. He can communicate. He can speak. I mean, he can use the radio signal to speak English. Like, it seems like your first instinct would be like, let's ask him a couple questions. Well, yeah, it doesn't even seem like they're trying to figure out how to destroy <laughs> they're him. Not. They're just like zapping him for fun. Right. So anyway, I Ironhide is the one saying this, and he keeps wanting to cannon blast everything that irritates him. Also, this is an alien race that has destroyed itself and its planet f- with war. 
Yes, they never got past that, so it's weird that Optimus Prime says, Were we so different? They're a young species. They have much to learn. Well, you guys aren't a young race, and you're literally still doing this now on somebody else's planet. Yeah. Like, this this is still happening. Yeah, so now our planet gets to be ravaged with your war. But don't worry, you're a moral, morally superior alien. Right. So anyway, Optimus Prime says they have to destroy the Allspark. That's the only way to end the war. And if he has to, he will put the Allspark into his chest spark cavity or whatever, uh, which will destroy him. But it will also destroy the Allspark. He says, and we can't let the humans pay for our mistakes. And there's no... You noble beast. I know. But there is no explanation for how this works. Like... No, that's just like, oh, oh, there's a way to destroy it. Like, we don't have to do anything with it. We can just destroy it. It's fine. Right. You just put it in a transformer and it destroys itself. Like, I don't understand anything about that logic. You would think, since the Allspark is the source of power and life, you would think it would make them a god. Well, either it would make them a god or it would kill them and still exist afterward. Yeah, how how does that also destroy the Allspark? Like, it would just, like, overload their circuits and then, like, just be sitting there fully functional in the transformer chest. All right, Agent Simmons tries to make nice now with Sam and Michaela. Um, Sam starts giving demands in exchange for what he knows about everything. He wants his car back. He wants his parents released. He wants Michaela's juvie record erased. Preferably in that order. Yeah, he's most concerned about his car. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's revealed now that... Also, we never see these demands get met. No, they don't. They're like, oh, come over here and we'll talk about it. We'll talk the, about your car, the, yeah. The car is not released, because we see that happen later, uh, only at gunpoint. Right, what they actually mean is, come over here and let me give you an exposition dump as to what we know about the Transformers <laughs> history on Earth. Pretty much. So they say, well, Megatron is under the Hoover Dam, which was built around Megatron. And we see him. We see him. They're, like, Cry- keeping him on ice. He's cryogenically frozen. And then Sam says, well, that's Megatron. They're looking for the Allspark. And he's like, oh, you guys know where it is, don't you? They also have the Allspark. That's why the Hoover Dam was built, to try to mask its energy, to hide its energy. Which makes me wonder if everybody in this movie is going to die of radiation poisoning in two I think years. it is, because when they're walking around Sam's house, they're walking around with the Geiger counter, which is going off like crazy. Also, this means, like, all of the water that's going through the Hoover Dam is probably, like, seriously <laughs> irradiated. Oh, no. It wasn't vaccines. Yeah. It was... Megatron <laughs> yeah. and the Allspark. They all they, so they have the cube and they've dated it to 10,000 BC. I'm guessing they mean it landed on Earth 10,000. Uh, yeah, BC. I feel like they mean it landed on Earth that like in 10,000 BC because they also say that Megatron has been there for thousands of years. Yeah, they demonstrate what the cube can do by turning a Nokia into a tiny Decepticon. So the cube, I guess, is set to evil. Currently, like whatever switch is flipped, it's like the evil switch because anything that it creates a robot from is automatically evil. It's like trying to kill everyone around it. You never see it create anything that doesn't immediately try to murder everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really, you're like, wait, how did the Autobots get made? Right. Maybe they're the freaks. Yeah. Maybe they're the bad guys here. Yeah. Uh, the Decepticons are just business as usual. Exactly. So anyway, while this is happening, the Decepticons mobilize because Frenzy was hiding with the other Autobots. He told them when they figured out where the Allspark was, Frenzy transmitted that to the Decepticons. So now the Decepticons know also where the Allspark is. So they are mobilizing. Frenzy... Gets to it and turns the cryo system off for Megatron. So he starts thawing. Everybody's freaking out. The military guys are there. Josh Dumel and Tyrese. Because we haven't seen the Puerto Rican soldier in quite a while. So uh, all this stuff is happening. They're like, oh no, we need to do something with the Allspark. Because Megatron's waking up. What's going to happen? And Sam's like, we need to get Bumblebee. Get my car. Like... This is gonna, he'll know what to do with it. And John Turturro's like, no, we don't know what's gonna happen. Oh no, we can't do that. I can't authorize that. He he has this really weird um, idea of like what's important, like which, which <laughs> yeah. protocols are important when. It's, it's interesting. So Josh Dumel is not into that. He's got a baby he's never met. He's gonna get home to her. And he forces John Turturro at gunpoint to release Bumblebee. Bumblebee touches the cube, and 
it's now like a foot and a half by a foot and a half. Right. That, that and before it was like most of the Hoover Dam. <laughs> it was pretty big. So I don't know how that happens. And that makes me wonder how Sam carries it around later because on our world, that would mean that it's super heavy. Yeah. But uh, they want to take the cube to Mission City and hide it there. Megatron. As the nearest city, because of course they know the Decepticons the are on the way. 20 miles away, I think. Yeah. And so they know the Decepticons are on the way. So the plan is let's bring this war into a heavily populated area. They're, they're like, okay, well, it'll be safe in Mission City. And then later on, the plan is just to hand it off to a, a, a chopper anyway. Right. So, like, why? What? That could have been anywhere. Uh, it seems to be a pretty buzzing metropolis. Yeah. So Megatron With breaks free. excessive amounts of Mountain Dew. Just <laughs> oh, no. all over. All over. That's what they drink instead of water. <laughs> a chase ensues. The military guys take Sam and Michaela and the Cube and they're going to Mission City. The IT nerds, Secretary Voigt and John Turturro are left behind and they're trying to signal the Air Force. But... Frenzy wrecked all of their modern technology, so they're having to use the super old stuff that's covered in cobwebs, and uh, they don't have any microphones. What are they going to do? All this stuff. This feels like, more than anything else in the whole movie, this feels like just busy work. So meanwhile, in Mission City, there's a shootout with the fake Air Force. Yes. They're Decepticons. Sam has the cube now, and Megatron kills Jazz, rips him in half. You want a piece of me? No! I want two! And Megatron, by the way, is like a billion times larger than Jazz. <laughs> yes. I don't even so understand. Jazz looks like a five-year-old compared to Megatron. Like the the size difference is insane. I don't know how they're the same species. I don't I don't know why they're the same species or why Jazz was like, yep, one-on-one battle, I'm gonna do this. And Frenzy is smaller than a person. I know. It's very strange. Well, like, Frenzy next to Megatron must be like an ant. Yeah, right? So, anyway, Sam's supposed to go to a rooftop, send off a flare, and hand the cube off to the military. This is the master plan. Like, there's no way the Decepticons could follow this. Yes, and here is where... It's not like all they are are modes <laughs> of transportation. Yeah, right? They can't... They're, they're literally posing as the Air Force right <laughs> yeah. now, but there's no way they'll get it once the military has it. it. You'd think it would be safest with the Autobots. Just give it to them. Right, this is the worst plan of all time. Because really, the plan should be, hey, here, take it and go off into space, and we'll never see any of you again. Like, this should be what the plan is. Yeah, why is the military going to hold on to <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. So this is where Michaela and Sam's relationship is cemented forever. She says, No matter what happens, I'm really glad I got in that car with you. That would not be my first thought. Like, in that situation. Yeah, she's fine with it. Even if I was totally cool with everything that had happened, which I wouldn't be, (laughs) my first thought would not be letting someone know I'm totally cool with this situation. Yeah, well, you know, in case they both, one or both of them die, he needs to know. Megatron and Optimus Prime are duking it out, and somehow it becomes about humans. Uh, Sam drops the AllSpark, and it turns everything around it into, again, Decepticons. Yeah. People's cars start attacking them. The Mountain Dew machine is spitting out Mountain Dew. It's also the most subtle product placement that a movie has ever seen. It's literally shooting its product (laughs) at characters. Yeah. Bumblebee comes in and saves the army guys that are getting overwhelmed. The cube handoff fails with Sam. Yes. He's about to give it to this guy in a chopper, and then he has to break off. No way anyone could have seen that coming. Mm-mm. He falls, and Optimus Prime catches him, somehow without breaking his neck, although he didn't catch his head. Like, it should have broken his neck when yeah, you see Yeah, he's being caught by a huge metal thing. Yeah. Optimus Prime and Megatron fight again. <laughs> Tyrese and Josh Jumel are still in the movie. They're still <laughs> still fighting Decepticons. And I think they do kill one of them. They do. With But Megan, Megan Fox is also dragging around Bumblebee on the back of a tow truck by this point. She's actually doing the opposite of dragging him. She's <laughs> driving in reverse with Bumblebee strapped to the back, so he's in front. Yeah. And I don't know how she can see anything with a transformer on the back of the tow truck. <laughs> I'm also really impressed with this tow truck because do you can you even imagine how much transformers weigh? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So Bumblebee's really the one that like puts the finishing shots on all of these other Decepticons to kill them. Yeah. Um and Michaela's a hero because she did this thing. Sam 
puts the cube in Megatron, killing him. Because right, yeah, Optimus Prime is like, no, I'm losing, I'm losing, put the put the cube in my chest. And then Sam puts it in Megatron's chest, and I'm like, how was this not the original plan? <laughs> I know. Well, maybe he thought that, like, Megatron wouldn't be so stupid that he would let a human get so, like, get close enough to him. Why wouldn't Megatron just grab the AllSpark? Like, I don't, well, I don't even know how they feel comfortable touching the AllSpark when just getting it too close to your chest means that you're going to die. Yeah, it's weird. So, yeah, Megatron's uh, dead. Now everything's calm. The Autobots are in Sam's debt. Bumblebee can talk again somehow. Somehow getting horribly injured in battle reversed <laughs> his previous battle injury. It's kind of like the amnesia cure of just hitting yourself in the head again. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. Explain that, science. <laughs> yeah. So Bumblebee wants to stay with the boy. And For no apparent reason. This is a soldier, an alien soldier that is millions of years old. But he wants to stay on Earth with this teenage boy. It's his mission rebound. Like, he just lost his whole purpose for living. Yeah. He's like, I've known this kid for a few days. It seems good enough to me. (laughs) Exactly. He's just going to bum around with his roommate for a while. Take a break. See what happens. So he's like, sure, if if that's okay with Sam. And it is. But then they all stay. So I don't know why it was a big deal that Bumblebee stayed. Because they all stayed. Because they start calling other Autobots. They send out the message. They send it out and they say, uh, so anybody that wants to come to Earth, come to Earth. Which, like, thanks for asking Earth first. (laughs) Look what you guys did. Because they're still undercover, basically. Like, people aren't supposed to know about Transformers. Well, that's the biggest thing. So, somehow, now they're a secret again, although they were literally destroying Mission City. Yeah. They were they were fighting on the freeway. Do you know how many people must have died during that? The president dissolves Sector 7, and he dumps the remains of all of the robots into the Laurentian Trench, yeah. which they claim is the deepest point on Earth. Now, I don't understand this. Because the Mariana Trench is the deepest point on Earth. Not the Laurentian Trench. And this is really well known. Mm-hmm. It's a well known fact that the Mariana Trench is deeper. Mm-hmm. Just say it's, you know, they were like, because the freezing temperatures, the pressure, no one's ever going to find it. That's all you had to say. So then it cuts to Optimus Prime sending his message out to the Autobots. But first it shows Sam and Michaela making out on the hood of Bumblebee. And Bumblebee apparently totally cool with this. He's staying in car form. Hold on. It's not just Bumblebee. Because then they pan <laughs> to the left and all of the Autobots are there. Some in car form, some not. So you're making out on top of your best friend while his friends watch. Like, I know he's been really supportive of their relationship. So he's probably, like, supportive. <laughs> What's going on here? Is he going to try a single white female Sam? <laughs> this is so weird. It's it, 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 it's weird. It's weird. Like, you need to learn how people do it on Earth. Yeah, like, and no Sam, one... you're being a real freak show right now. <laughs> no one thought through what this actually meant Mm-mm. when they shot it. No. Yeah. So, uh, Linkin Park song, which I associate a lot, I realized, with that Transformers movie. Oh, do I, you really? Somehow I do. Did they not play it during, like, the ads? I don't know. I have the CD, so I don't know that I w- would have exclusively associated it with that. I was actually kind of surprised when it popped up, mostly because the lyrics are completely irrelevant to everything that happened in the movie. So the story actually is that Megan Fox was at a Linkin Park concert and she went backstage and they said they would be interested in having one of their songs in the movie oh. and that that's why it was there. Well, I mean, so I can understand that. Like, that's kind of just like a write your own check here, please. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously. But that explains why, like, the song doesn't really make sense. I right. Think the, it's just a cool sounding song. Well, and it works really well with the mood of, it's it's maybe one of the first times that they've actually had music that works well with the scene that's going on. Yeah, like, tonally, yeah. Yeah, because they, they tend to, to tonally shift really quickly yeah. in this movie in ways that don't really make sense. Yeah. Then... Credit scene, the parents are being interviewed. Who's interviewing them and why? Because if this whole thing is a secret, what's happening right now? Because all it is is them saying that they don't think the government is lying to us about anything. Because they're like, oh, do you think that there were aliens or, or something? And they're like, no, no, that that wouldn't happen. Right. And now the Transformers are secret again. And then we also get a really short clip of something that I actually had to look up to figure out what it was, which was basically Starscream going out or, like, going into space to round up the Decepticons. 
<laughs> like, I didn't realize that was Starscream. Yeah. You know what's weird, though? Why wouldn't they just leave? Why wouldn't they just be like, well, Allspark's gone, Megatron's dead, we're just gonna leave. Well, also, they could, I mean, even if they decided they were gonna take Optimus Prime down or something, Optimus Prime is calling people from the surface of the planet. Starscream could surely do the same. Yeah. Like, he doesn't need to go physically round them up. Yeah, that's, that's really true. Can I just say that it sounds like all of the robot dialogue was written by whoever did the original children's cartoon series. Like, <laughs> does. everything they say. I sense the Decepticons are getting ready to mobilize. Well, it might just be because they delivered it in kind of a cartoony way. But th it's the stuff they say. <laughs> we lost a great comrade, but gained new ones. Thank you, all of you. You honor us with your bravery. It's also hard to take them seriously when they're in these dramatic scenes and there's a bunch of tires down their leg <laughs> and there's car doors coming out of their backs. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. And like Optimus Prime's pecs are basically like his windshield. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I know. So the other thing that I noticed was when John Voight says... Why would you not tell the military that there is a giant evil alien robot under the Hoover Dam? Oh, yeah. Why would you not tell us that? And they said, well, we didn't do it because we didn't have a credible threat. I'm sorry. The things that the army takes as credible threats have a low threshold. Yeah. Not without good reason, but I think that this counts. Right. You just monitor everything and you wait to see what explodes. Exactly. Like, like let's wait till he starts wrecking Mission City and then we'll think about calling someone. Yeah. But also, this was a movie that just had so much plot. Like, so much unnecessary plot action. Yeah. All it, of the stuff with the soldiers, all of the stuff with the tech people. Like, I don't even know why the hot female tech was there. To be she hot. did nothing other than, she was a freelance, she kind of felt like she was a freelance hire by the government, and then she went off and talked to Anthony Anderson. So I'm like, why couldn't Anthony Anderson have been, either she could have been the competent tech, or Anthony Anderson could have been the freelance hire. Yeah, because even Anthony Anderson felt like he didn't need to be there. Yeah. Well, neither of them needed to be there, but if you have to have this for some reason... Yeah, just make it one character. One person. And then the soldiers didn't need to be there at all. Like, the soldiers didn't actually need to be characters. If you want to show no. the station being shot up in Qatar, just do that. Like, you don't, we don't need people to relate to. No, that We should mention the soldier does get reunited with his baby. Uh, yeah, like anybody cares. That's one of the Exactly. Things, like, like, it didn't even make the outline. Yeah. No. Um, so much of what they did was pointless. And I felt like I had to mention them at the end just because they were filling so much time. If they had dropped the tech stuff and the soldier stuff, like, they could have fit in so much more about Sam's relationship with the Transformers or the Transformers' relationship with each other. Or Sam's relationship with Michaela. Yeah. Or, like, any personality for the Transformers beyond a catchphrase. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, because I'm, like, we're supposed to be sad that Jazz is dead now. <laughs> yeah, we don't know who Jazz is. We don't care who Jazz is. The rat, like, Ratchet, I don't even remember being in anything other than, like, he, Ratchet does nothing important. He does not. Um, which is weird, because he's the medical guy. Yeah. And Bumblebee gets seriously injured. <laughs> That's a good point. Which is why he's on the back of Michaela's tow truck. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, medical guy is, I don't know, somewhere else. Right. Like, you could have just had Bumblebee, if Bumblebee had also you know, done all the Optimus Prime stuff. Like, they were basically superfluous to their own movie. <laughs> so much was. <laughs> also, one of the Decepticons is named Bone Crusher. <laughs> now, I would like to believe that that is a rough translation of something that has no translation. Like Steel Beam Crusher or something. Because they don't have bones. Yeah. There were a lot of U.S. military uh, vehicles in this and uh, planes and stuff like that. So to keep the budget down, they actually were allowed to shoot with the real stuff. GM gave them, I want to say 200 cars. A lot of them were the cars that were thrown around in the action scenes, right. which had the engines and the transmissions taken out to be lighter so that they were easy to throw around. If you will notice, because GM was so supportive, the evil police car is a Ford. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. Also, everyone in this movie was like such a weird shade of orange. Yeah, they were really orange. And I will say that this is something that continues through the entire Transformers franchise. Like, everyone is color corrected to be oddly orange. And I know they were like making the shots look warmer. Mm hmm. Although, even in blue tinted shots, the skin tone still is made to look (laughs) orange. Like, I don't understand it. It looks really weird. It looks like they've all been like sprinkled with like Cheeto powder. So, Steven Spielberg was a really big part of this. Yeah, he was an executive producer. Mm -hmm. He really helped um, out with it, and Michael Bay got a lot of uh, direction from him. So, he urged Michael Bay to do as many real effects as possible. Uh, Which I think Michael Bay is big on. I think so, and that's what makes movies age well. Let's take age well with a grain of salt. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, gives them the chance yeah. of aging well. This is one of those movies that's, it feels like it's childhood nostalgia, but like it killed at the box office. Well, well that's me... why there's another one in the works, 2019. So, we're going to come back to the Transformers again uh, at a future date. <laughs> but uh, our next movie is actually going to be Prom Night. Ooh, so good. The remake with Britney Snow. Yeah. Murder teacher stalks former student at prom. Yeah. 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it's good. I mean, it's not good, but that's why we're watching it. (laughs) So that's what we'll be watching next time on More Is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.